0: Hello, everyone. Sean here. Welcome back to No Word is an Island Advanced English, the podcast for advanced English learners and the people who teach them. In this week's episode, we'll be listening to a conversation I had with Ivan, uh, a student of English, uh, back in December. Ivan is based in Machala, Ecuador, and he's an English teacher, as well as being a student of English. He teaches it. And as you'll see, he talks, uh, refers to himself as a, a C1 English speaker, but I think you'll notice he's definitely in the C2 band, uh, as much as that is important. Uh, I don't really like getting too hung up on these labels, they can sometimes do more harm than good. But suffice it to say that Ivan, uh, a lot of the language, the the useful language you will learn in this episode will be from him, uh, not me. (laughs) So uh, hats off to you, uh, Ivan. Um, This was a a great conversation. Um, We talked about uh, Ivan's background is in economics, even though he's currently an English teacher, he, he studied economics. And we talk about his, his, his desire to go back to school and get a master's in, um, in economics. And so we talked about uh, the things that were in the news, things that, uh, current affairs to do with supply chain issues, factories around the world, how the economy in the world is increasingly interconnected. And so we talked about some vocabulary related to these issues. I hope you enjoy the episode uh it's a bit longer than the usual uh episodes and uh next week i'll be back to the usual format these interviews will will appear every couple of every couple of months every month every 6 weeks as uh, just to have a different format don't forget you can also watch this interview uh on youtube i'll embed the video on the podcast episode page go to betterlanguagelearning.com slash podcast and click on episode 13 and you'll see not just the embedded audio player but also the uh, youtube video version so thanks for listening and see you next week
1: you can just something about it
0: no no don't don't worry about it it's 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 part of the charm uh <laughs> yeah, the, the, this is not like a corporate video, right? We don't want to make it all f- fake. Um, so, um, okay. so hello, Ivan. Uh, welcome to uh, the podcast. Um, why don't you start out by introducing yourself?
1: Hi, Sean. I'm very happy to be for being here. And well, my name is Ivan, and I'm pretty excited for today's podcast because I think it's going to be one of your first ones with c uh, C1 learner so i'm glad and very pleased to be one of the first ones
0: yeah so what can you tell us where you are
1: um you probably can hear like the noise in the background that's a rooster crawling <laughs> it's not mine by the way now i live in machala which is like a medium-sized city on the south of the ecuadorian coast so yes i'm ecuadorian and i live on the coast and what I do for a living is basically teach English, but my background, if you talk about like educational background, I I did business more specifically, like economics with a major in business management. But life is surprising. And I started as um as an English teacher and I've been doing it for like almost three years. So there is like I my mean, interest in improving my English and getting to perhaps a near the c2 level it's not just like for teaching them but also because i like to go back to my field like to pursue a master's degree or something like that in english and so it requires some sort of technical term and a wider range of vocabulary so that's yeah. why Is that in, in english in
0: in, in, which a master's in what's up in what area
1: it's a great question um, so i'm still like finding i ha- i joined the mentorship mentorship the other day so they are providing, a, providing us guidance on how to apply for scholarships and so on. But an important part of that is that you're supposed to find what you really want. And uh, my case speaking of myself, due to the experience I've had, I think I want to go for teaching. Therefore, it has to be a master's, research, a master's degree that a master's research degree so I, can, I could qualify for a PhD if I ever like decided like, to go that way because um, yeah, so in order to teach something related to my field, i thought of an economic analysis because I really like the macroeconomics. I like microeconomics. I'm kind of scared I have like a huge respect for econometrics because it has lots of math, statistic and involves also economic theory. Mm-hmm. So I've got to give it a thought, like I have to sleep on that idea because I know even economic analysis can be challenging uh, let alone the fact that it's just about math and understanding like theories and formula and stuff like that. But it's it, I'm trying to go into that direction, but not nothing settled yet.
0: Okay, nice use of language. Nothing's settled. Nothing's decided.
1: Yeah, nothing's decided
0: yeah. yet. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Um, um, so you've prepared. You, we we talked about a, a discussing a, something a specific topic, and you did some reading for today's. Um,
1: I did, yes, um, so first of all, it came to my mind because one of my, maybe I, I don't think I've told you, but I also like sometimes in the mornings, I, I work as a conversation practice partner for Spanish learners, so one of them told me that due to the disruption in supply chain, uh, her business was not really doing well because she didn't have enough supply, So after the chat we had, when we just like discussed this meeting uh, or the plans for this this video chat, I I think it was on Monday that it came to my mind that that would be a nice topic to discuss. So I did some reading and it's very interesting because this disruption in the supply chain is not the result of the pandemic because that's what people think sometimes. Mm -hmm. But it's not really, it's actually the whole system that is, um, that was destined to is severely affected by shocks like this one that affected everyone. And so, basically, what they said at the on with this website, the Economic Forum, they said that, um, like, like the butterfly effect. So, when we got to see how this, um, the flow of supply of, of goods, uh, so they can, some other companies can manufacture the products. It was like slowed down or just completely interrupted by just one country because uh, Vietnam went into lockdowns. So lots of workers were not allowed to work in the company. So they were not really producing the same amount of goods they used to. And mm-hmm. so that reduced their capacity, but not the capacity, but more like the production they had. And they kind of delayed the, the the goods they sent. So they were like, they they produce less, but there were lots of companies asking for products, and we're talking specifically about chips that are used for computers and also for ah, uh, yes. making making vehicles.
0: Yes, I so, have, a, I have mm-hmm. a student who works for Seat, for the Spanish car maker, which is a subsidiary of Volkswagen, and um, I know that they were having issues because uh, they, they. I think I think this is to do with. Do you know there's a term um, in supply chain? Um, um it's when you receive um parts you don't have a traditionally you know we'd have a big warehouse with lots of parts right but then it's costly to keep spare parts extra parts in a warehouse so instead so yeah
1: is it like first in first out like you're getting like this the way you manage your stocking
0: i think what i'm thinking of is i think they call it just in time um just in
1: time ye.
0: Um, yes, the, just in time.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So it's the idea that you just—it's just something's made in China. Uh, the plant here in Barcelona sends an order. They—they—they they, they calculate how much time, and it basically—it just in time means they receive it and it almost immediately gets incorporated. into, into Yeah. Into, into, so it.
1: everything has to be done in a timely manner. Yeah. yeah so when nice, something nice there is a delay. Yeah. So, so when yeah,
0: there is a so, delay,
1: that's when it help, they when the troubles like start to ar- arise. I think
0: yeah exactly so um and earlier you said you twice you said it came to my mind um very small if barely a mistake but the, the really the, the 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 we would tend to say it came uh, It something comes to mind not comes to my mind but comes to mind
1: so it came to mind that's it
0: yeah yeah exactly um and then you talked about the a butterfly effect um which is a very poetic expression, almost. Uh, the I, read it
1: on the, I read it on the economic forum, forum and I liked it because I can kind of explain that that was supposed to be a minor change for just in a single country, but it affected like the US and so on, some other countries, so it's yeah. crazy.
0: Yeah, and the idea, I, do you understand, do you have any idea what, why we talk about a butterfly effect?
1: I don't understand what you, like What the question basically.
0: Well, why butterfly?
1: Because um, I think it's because that, that it is apparently something very simple that is not really supposed to ha- cause any harm here. But then somewhere else, given like the way it is interconnected, like a domini effect on the other side, you can see that that actually turns out to be a huge problem. Yeah. So that's yeah. why I think, and they say that it's uh, butterfly, like the,
0: I don't know I how think to say you but like a thinking. storm. I, I know it exactly. I've heard some, I don't think, I don't know if it's true, if it's, pop, I don't know if it's true, but the idea of the butterfly, that the, the, the wind, the tiny amount of wind generated by a, a butterfly's wings leading to a hurricane or something kind of yeah, exactly. uh, far-fetched, kind of hard to imagine.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, sometimes we talk about a knock-on effect. You talked about a dominoes.
1: Knock-on yeah. effect.
0: Yeah, so we talk, it's a similar idea, although butterfly's effect is more specific. That's something trivial, incredibly small, leading to something huge. But it's the same idea of something related to cause and effects. So we talk about a knock-on effect or a ripple effect. All right, got it. Have you heard the word ripple before?
1: Don't think so, but now I think I.
0: Yeah, it's it's like, it's like if you drop something in a pool of water, like a pebble or a stone, and then the 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 small it's they're too small to be waves. That's a ripple. It's just a slight, um, that slight. It's like a tiny wave in the water. That's a ripple.
1: Got it. Okay, like the one, like the things you've got in, um, like in lakes and lagoons they don't have waves but they just see this well
0: basically it's just if kind of you little... drop something in, in in a body of water and then that those just ah uh, it's, it's not it's just these tiny um
1: so it's just more like you drop like a stone into the water and it causes like a circle and a bigger circle exactly ripple out yeah. yeah
0: so a ripple effect is that's that something yeah gets affected by um yeah, so it's, it's something being affected by something else. Um, okay. And um, and why are you interested in this, the issue of, you said it's it's some something, a, some, a neighbor or someone you know who was telling you uh, about-
1: Yes, one of the students, not students, but one of the people I talk with, she has like a company in the US. And she told me that she was thinking of like selling the company because it was, not worth it anymore. Like all of the stress she was uh, putting up with, and now this has this. She had this tremendous challenge because um, the, she wasn't really getting enough supply what she needed for manufacturing uh, her products, which are like some light bulbs and something like that. And she mentioned that. And then I had previously heard of like the supply chain in the news, but it ne- didn't really pay much attention. So. I started reading a bit about it and it turns out to be like something we should all be aware of, like uh, yeah. whats what that is and how it works and why it is important to like to get it fixed uh, as soon as possible. Because um, in a globalized world, we have this constant flow of, man- of goods and also services, I'd say, because sometimes for services, you need goods to provide them. It's yeah. constant. So something oh. that is made here is just somewhere else to send it somewhere else so by the way it's all connected
0: what do you call when you need a, you need uh raw materials or parts or something
1: isn't that input
0: yeah no. but i'm saying when you when you lack something that you need something basic that you need what do we call that
1: I'm not sure. As I told you, I just was interested in acquiring vocabulary. I was learning actually. You're like you're the teacher, Sean.
0: Yes, we. I'm sure you know the word. A shortage. Shortage.
1: Shortage, Yeah, that's the word. Yeah, Yeah. I know it. So there's
0: so us that what's happening now is there are shortages of different Mm
1: parts. I actually read it there. Uh huh.
0: Yeah, a lack of something. Um, Yeah, I did see. Maybe it was on the cover of The Economist or some major n- magazine or newspaper that was talking about people not having enough, not being able to get the gifts they wanted for their family members at Christmas because of this. Um,
1: well, I can't mention a specific goods or products that will be required for manufacturing them, but we have to keep in mind that most of the brands that are very popular in the US, they don't really make those products in the US. Even they have the label of of an American brand. They usually manufacture in Southeast Asia. And uh, China used to be like the main factory for the world. Yeah, but there are some other countries like like Thailand, Vietnam, uh, Cambodia, and what what else? I can't think of another one. And Bangladesh, in which they also manufacture products. For American brands or Italian brands and so on, it happens in fashion too. So mm-hmm. what could have happened, now that I think about it, is that there's been a delay, and also something that um, makes it more hard, makes it harder for goods to get to the shops. It's the ports because of the restrictions. They were they had like a slowdown in the efficiency or how quickly they unloaded and loaded the containers or so the ships go like the Mm-hmm. So there was a point at the beginning of 2021 in which there were like ships waiting for the tone to get to the to the decks, so they can unload their 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 containers. So that was like piling up, like adding up nice. to a yeah, huge yeah. effect. So yeah. that could be a reason actually, because that hasn't been fixed yet. It has like improved a little. There's been like a, um, a speed up in the in the way this is done, this performed, but it's still not in the way it used to be like in 2020 or 2019, I think. So it is still it is still causing some troubles and we cannot talk that it's over. And it won't be actually, it's because of the system itself, the way it works.
0: Yeah. Why? Do you think this will lead to any um, changes in the way p- companies do business?
1: I hope so, and that's what I recommend. Like based on the readings I did, they say that the problem is not the pandemic, the problem is not the restrictions. What they do, what, they, what those things did was just exacerbate some problems, some issues that were already like present. So they mentioned like, they were like in red numbers or something, no, not, that's not the word. But the thing is that there were some issues slow down, slow already down. in the system.
0: Well, what's that about red numbers?
1: I read it somewhere because I wrote down some terms that I found interesting when I was when they read
0: it. And you're talking about being in the red?
1: Mm, Not exactly. No, they were running red hot. That's the term I I wrote down
0: here. They were running red Uh, hot.
1: Yeah, but I'm not quite sure what that means, actually. You're talking about factories? I don't remember because I did like, I read like three websites and I also went like through some opinion um, websites. So I don't remember. Red hot,
0: maybe in the sense that like if something machinery heats up, I mean, metal, if it's red hot, it means it's so hot it turns, it becomes almost incandescent. It becomes red from the heat.
1: I don't know why they used it. I I don't remember right now because I should have like written down the whole sentence. Yeah, but I know red numbers Speaking basically of, oh, means well. that going in bankruptcy or something like that, I think.
0: Speaking of which, when normally when you're um, reading, what's your system for, or do you have a system for keeping track of vocabulary?
1: So um, so I do the reading. I, I read out loud, actually. Not that I'm in love with my own voice, but I like to, try <laughs> to, like, to make the, not the the sounds and like compare them because sometimes uh, those are words that I've heard before, like in the news or something like that. So I read and I also like feel like I understand more. Like it makes sense what I'm reading. It's like someone is reading for me. It's myself. Yeah. So I do that. When I found a term, when I find a term, what happens is that I most of the time like sense what it might mean.
0: But Uh I just
1: cannot think what exact what the exact meaning is so that's when i just stop write it down if it's necessary like i write the sentence with quotation marks and i just go to a dictionary for the definition but everything in english just like i don't sometimes i don't know what the word is in spanish like because i just i look at the meaning and if it makes sense then it's fine i just like think about it own it and i read it again and i now i feel like i have Like understood the idea of the sentence but if that doesn't work that's when i simply just got for a a bilingual dictionary because i may know and understand the word in spanish yeah um
0: yeah there's nothing wrong with resorting to a dictionary if you resort to something it it means um you um i was just going to say it in spanish because i'm so used to translating (laughs) it's a bad habit i suppose of teaching students who speak i all my students speak spanish so Or Catalan. So, um, but if you resort to something, it's uh, sometimes people say, you know, a a bilingual dictionary should only be used as a last resort, meaning only when you've run out of other options. Um, Personally, and you shouldn't? Well, I'm, I think, I think, I think language teachers should be careful about the ideas like. Yeah, we need to be careful about telling our students things that are maybe not only not true, but are the contrary of what's good best practice. Or, I mean, I don't necessarily think there's such a thing as best practice, but I think there's good practice. And telling students not to translate is, um, I mean, you've learned English to a high level. I've learned Spanish and French uh, to a high level. Um, I translate all the time. Even though, I mean, I've got, I did a master's in Spanish. Um, I've lived in Spain for 12 years. I still look things up in a bilingual dictionary. I think um, students shouldn't be shamed for using a bilingual dictionary. Because certain specific things are, it's, it's much easier. Um, but in any case, yeah. the most important thing, I think, is using a dictionary. Because a lot of teachers, another myth that teachers say is, oh, we'll just use the context. And... Um, that's a, that, yeah. for me, is the worst advice a teacher can give a student, especially high-level students, because once you're at this level, what happens is I'll often ask students, well, do you want to know what this word means? Yes. I say, use it in a sentence. And that's, to me, that's the, lit, uh, the litmus test. Um, yeah. uh, have, you, have you heard Please. of uh, litmus test? No. You know, there's little strips nope. of paper. I think it's to test the acidity of water. I can't remember. It's these little strips of paper that it's it's used for it's it's got a scientific i know reason.
1: that thing, but i don't know <laughs> like the yeah. first part like in the con- language context. yeah so we use something i a, know a, the litmus, other thing. a litmus
0: test in the metaphorical or the, in the broader sense is um, um the, the the kind of not a gold standard but it's a test so yeah so the litmus test um if like student, when students are going, well, should I take the time to look this up? It's like, well, are you able to use it confidently? If you aren't, that, for me, that's the litmus test. That's the standard. Um, and, I th- and I think it's, I mean, it depends also if it, in what context you're in. If you're in an exam, you've got to use, rely on context. But, but if on an, every, on, a, on an everyday basis, um, you've got to be looking things up um, I mean, I've many times, even English words that I've assumed, I'm like, oh yeah, I know what that means. And then I look it up and mm-hmm. I think, I, I didn't know what, I couldn't use it properly.
1: It happens to me in Spanish too. Sometimes a word may sound familiar and you might, like, it's like a, not a false covenant that would be from one language to another, but sometimes even in Spanish, it happens to me that I think, I you know, the word and I, I found myself like using a, a word that was very specific and a very common, like in the wrong way. So even in Spanish, as a native native Spanish speaker, I sometimes have to look words up to make sure that I'm using it right. So needless to say, when you're learning another language, it's true. I don't. I encourage them to use the the dictionary. Um, but what I do once they when I, most of the time, what I do is like to explain the usage because uh, I haven't taught and I can't talk, teach any anyone who's at an advanced level, of course, but. Sometimes they ask you like, what is the meaning of this or this expression? Most of the time with expressions, what I do is just like to describe when it is used and I like provide them a couple of examples. And uh, sometimes I do that, ask them like to provide a context or a sentence in which they they could use it. And most of the time it works. Like it's worked for me, like maybe 80% of the time, but it's because they were not at an advanced level. so most of the time I just like idioms or expressions and some of them have like an equivalent in Spanish so they can like automatically match that expression to something they already know
0: yeah yeah um do you use for example do you use flash
1: for we use them a like for young learners like mm-hmm. for students not really which goes because we have this vocabulary um like we got a textbook, we follow that as a Bible, to be honest. Mm-hmm. And as uh, you know, I'm not so much whose background is like in, in education. So I just like follow what they told me to do, what, which I don't think is bad because it works. We've seen the results in the students. Um, so we've seen the results, like some good results with their students, like the before and after is good. Maybe it could be better. But the thing is that we just look at the words, they got a picture, and sometimes we look at the definition, which is written there, and then we just try to use it because uh, with the grammar, like the vocabulary, use it with the grammar that is provided uh, in uh, every single chapter, and so on. So like flashcards getting like a a piece of paper this big or smaller, like with the picture, with the word here and the image, image here, we don't really do that or at least I don't. We use it for students who are not teenagers, basically.
0: Yeah, I do recommend, okay, so um, um, Paul Nation, um, who is uh, an expert in uh, second language acquisition, cl- uh, claims that there are studies that show about the, the impact of using flashcards is huge. So there's really no, I'm going to sound like a bit of a <laughs> um, a bit extreme here, but there's really it's, it's a it's a terrible it's a crying shame not to use flashcards um partly because he says i guess guess how much time he says should be spent uh reviewing vocabulary that you've already seen or or structures grammar structures
1: i don't i have no idea yeah,
0: about a third a third of the time um i don't think that necessarily you have to stick to that number religiously but the point is a a big chunk of time when you're learning a language should be devoted to revision and flashcards are an excellent way to revise and it's also if you teach your students to do it well it's a a way of taking pressure off the teacher so you're doing you're increasing what students learn and you're not without the kind of unnecessary pressure to keep teaching um, and yeah, so there's the um, as you'll see on the po- on the, the podcast website, I embed Quizlet flashcards in, uh, on, on my yeah own.
1: I saw that.
0: So Quizlet, if your students or if even even forget your students for now, um, but for yourself, get I highly recommend Quizlet. Or there's another uh, one called Anki, um, and the uh, recording recording uh, f- um, content in flashcards either physical or electronic. It's ah, an expression. It's a game game changer. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: Have you heard that expression before?
1: Yeah, I've heard it before.
0: Yeah.
1: Most of the things I consume when it comes to entertainment, it's in English. I know I waste my time on social media sometimes, but I'm glad to say that it's in English. Because sometimes I get like some words there. Not the mo- the quickest, the most efficient way to acquire vocabulary, I know, but
0: Yeah, well. That say, that much. We we um, you're saying by by listening to things in English, is that what you're saying?
1: No, but basically on Instagram. So sometimes you find not even like language, uh, learning videos or reels, but things that I that interest me, like that I feel I want to know more about, or even just mere entertainment.
0: Um, yeah, fair enough, yeah. Sometimes we say things that um, peak your interest.
1: Pique my interest. No,
0: listen, peak. P-I-Q-U-E. Huh. Yeah, I think it's originally a French word. New one, for sure. Yeah, something piques your interest. You go, oh, that's interesting. That's piqued my interest.
1: All right, thank you.
0: Okay, so um, any other, let's have we got anything more to say about supply chain? Uh, Uh,
1: Yeah, we were talking about it. So you asked me whether this was going to change or not based on like what happened. So um, based on the the readings I, I went through, they said that it's highly recommendable because this system used to work back then when it was invented, when they started like in the last like in the 20th century that you started with this, like in the 20th century, I think. But even back, even before that, when we had like this Silk Road in which they were exchanging goods uh, throughout Asia to Europe, that could be like some sort of a um, not so developed idea of supply chain because of the way it works. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the idea is there. So yeah, it, it evolved a little bit in the late 20th century. But what didn't what we didn't think of was that um, the war back then was not as connected as it is now. And it's not, it's not as interdependent as it is now. So the biggest mistake they made is that they kind of assigned nodes all across the globe in which this X product must be manufactured here and this white product must be manufactured there for making this other product. So you can see that their points of supply for those products, or if, let's say like components or equipment for manufacturing the products, was only relying on one place. So there were nodes all across the globe. But the thing is, is that they are, there isn't one node that is making the same as in on some, that is being made in somewhere else. So in case that one fails or is interrupted for some reason, uh, you basically have um, a cut in the flow or a disruption. And that's when it starts like causing the effect we see nowadays. So what they recommend is that we should start diversifying uh, those nodes in which we manufacture products because there is something called comparative advantage. We know like for some countries uh, it is less expensive or simply cheaper to manufacture certain products that will be more expensive to manufacture in the us for instance Mm -hmm. so it makes sense to do that but the point is that there must be some at least more than one place in which you can like ask them to make those products so in case this doesn't work well you have some sort of backup plan or at least the interruption that is made is doesn't cause such an such a big effect in the economies and yeah so What we have, what we have seen is that some, because of that businesses and companies, the big ones, they have started like finding, like finding more locations for manufacturing their products or the products they need for providing the services or making some other goods. So they said that they are, they are set in the right direction. If they are like planning to transition from that old idea to a new one, that is basically the same. We are all connected and we need each other. but let's make it more efficient it's gonna cost a lot because you need a lot of investment not only in capital but also in like the know-how and stuff like that because my, you my might to...
0: hold on slow down because some of the listeners and viewers might not be familiar might be familiar with that uh know-how uh yeah so know how mean what's what does know-how mean
1: like, they know how to do it because, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah, so you I mean, might know the theory, but an, an, they got uh, experience.
0: So technical know-how means uh, an accumulation of knowledge and expertise. Yeah, because you know how to do something, you know how to deal with, yeah. Um, what you were talking about before about the making, you know, backup plans, and um, another expression we use sometimes is making contingency plans. hmm like a, it's like so weird.
1: I know some of the words that like the version of the words that are like fancier, and more uh, advanced, I guess, but I just, they don't come naturally to my mind. And I just use another one that I seems to be way common, like backup plan. I think it's fine.
0: That's perfect. fine. then, I mean, no, the contingency, contingency plan conting- is quite specific. I think it's
1: quite specific and it's like the right word. That's why we would use in Spanish as well. But it just didn't kind didn't come to my mind naturally. Like
0: it didn't come. It didn't come to mind.
1: Gosh, it didn't come to mind. I got to work on it. It didn't come to mind, actually. Yeah.
0: So. This, is, this is a minor thing. I know a lot of students say that. It's not a, a huge issue, to be honest. Um, <laughs> what was I going to say? Um, but I mean, it's also, I mean, it's, it's it, yeah, uh, carry on.
1: No, sorry. I was just,
0: Yeah. go ahead. OK, well, I think this is a good place to take a break and, um, well, say, a, a call it a day. That's another expression to to, to put it uh, to We're Let's call it a day.
1: All uh, right. Meaning,
0: meaning let's stop working. Let's let's stop here. So we're going to call it a day and uh, maybe we'll have you on here again uh, and uh, to talk about uh, something else. And um, do you have any final comments or questions?
1: Um, well. Questions, not really, but comments about like the supply chain thing is that we now I hope I have given you like a wider idea of what it is and also that why it is important for like for us to know how it works so we understand the current situation in countries like in the U.S., or why some businesses had increased like their prices and their goods, because scarcity is one of the drivers for the, the like the setting of the price for goods. So because of that happened, that is no surprise for us to see some goods that have turned or become more price pricier, actually, with a higher price. It is somewhat affected by what's going on globally with the supply chain.
0: Very nice. I want to re- re- repeat, you mentioned a word, um, uh, scarcity
1: yeah
0: yeah very, but very...
1: scarcity is just like perhaps no it's that it's not abundant because you got supply and demand so the demand is sure. pretty high
0: yeah so if there's scarcity it means that there's a, a, a an extreme lack of something that you're if, if uh, yeah, so... yeah
1: but that's exactly what that's not exactly what I meant but that's the thing that demand didn't really go down it's just that the, the supply that had a slow down and, because there were lots of people who didn't stop like one, wanting or like demanding those products. and But the supply didn't just react at the same level it used to. Yeah. And that just oh. caused uh, uh, an increase in prices. And some say that it's even one, but not specifically. But it has to do a little bit with what's going on with inflation rate in the U.S
0: okay now okay <laughs> now oh now i'm gonna okay I'm, i feel really out of my depths uh, i mean i'm i mean i did study i studied political science at university i studied history but i never got around doing economics so uh, there's some things that make me feel very it
1: might be wrong actually because i'm not an expert so if there is an economist who is listening to this podcast, it, yeah? please it's forgive wonderful... me if I'm just like making up making things up. I right. do my best. I did my reading and that's based on what I understood and what I can't remember from college. So if and I'm I wrong about that, just something. forgive me.
0: I wanted to say something. I also heard that people were saying that one of the issues was that um, because the pandemic, at least in some places, people were able to, um, basically people have, you um, Money, money to spare, Absolutely. money and extra. Uh-huh. People have, people have. So some people talk about there being what we call, often we talk about a demand. We can talk about pent up demand.
1: And again, sorry, please Pent
0: please. up, P-E-N-T, pent two words, pent up demand. So if something is pent up, it's kind of artificially contained, restricted. So be, basically, people couldn't go out to shops. They could still shop online, but basically because of lockdowns, um, people were restricted in their movements. So that that pen so then that 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 led to a buildup. So then there was this like a dam bursting. So yeah. I think there's also that that
1: yeah, I mean for sure they increase some of that. Like something they where there are winners, winners and losers in this thing that we are still going through. So, um, pharma- pharmacy or drug companies are like the biggest winners, but they also like on sh- uh, online shops and like what's the word for this? Electronic e-commerce, e-commerce as well that has like it has been boosted by what happened because we had no choice, and it's true
0: sorry boosted yes yeah yeah
1: it, it, because of that so it, it it is some sort of like a milestone for e-commerce because i don't think that people are going to go back the way it used to be before this pandemic i mean some things are going to be presential perhaps like a face-to-face basis but some other things are just like are going to be online for good like permanently and Some people transitioned, some others just had to reinvent themselves and so on. But speaking of like these people who have like spent money, I think there were some governments, I'm not sure if it was the US because I watched a video by The Economist. Um, they said that the Americans love buying cars and like renewing a car, like getting a new car every five years or so. So there weren't enough cars, like new cars manufactured because what I just told before, said before,
0: and uh, so they uh, went for- uh, Sometimes we say there weren't enough new cars to go around.
1: To go around.
0: So they weren't there weren't enough- wasn't, If there was a shortage of supply in an in, in, in informal industry, there wasn't enough mm, to go around.
1: Okay, so there weren't enough cars to go around and that caused a movement uh, or uh, on the focus of the potential purchasers to to secondhand cars, like used cars. So that even uh, drive drove up, that drove up like the the prices uh, on like secondhand on used cars that used to be like cheap, and then the option for those who didn't have like enough to get a new one. So that is also something that increased prices. And as everything is connected, it, that's why they said it might be it might do something with what's going on in the US with the inflation rate, because that thing, they had to the spare money and so on. They wanted new cars, where well, they were supposed to spend it, like for goods, like um, perishable food, perishable goods, like food and whatever. But they went for another thing. But the thing is that has something to do with uh, the effect it might have had in the inflation, current inflation going on in the U.S., which is also related to the supply chain. So that's why I found it. How? Why I found it so interesting.
0: Okay, so what you need to do, Ivan, is you need to create a YouTube channel or a podcast about <laughs> economics, and then you you invite me on as a guest, and I will ask you questions about inflation and not everything else that I don't know about. Well,
1: I like to go through my notes, because um, I know what that is for definition, but there is a whole theory or like explanations behind it. So it's interesting, because that's why I like economics, because it helps you understand Not everything, obviously, but some of like the way we are organized in the societies as well, how it works. That's why I like it. I like when things make sense in a practical way.
0: Great. Okay. well, (laughs) um, Okay. well, thank you for being on the show. And um, uh, yeah, it's been nice chatting.
1: Yeah, I loved it. And thank you for having me on your show. Thanks. And I hope you enjoyed it.
0: Okay. As we say in English, don't be a stranger. That means stay in touch. Okay.
1: Don't be a stranger.
0: Don't be a stranger.
1: I know what that means, but it's weird. Like, could I say that? Like, don't be a stranger?
0: It means like, it means don't hesitate to get in touch, um, um, to send me an email, to give me a call. That's, that's what it means.
1: So you would simply say like, Ivan, don't be a stranger and I shouldn't freak out. like say what is he talking about
0: <laughs> yeah it just yeah means, it just means um i look forward to it's a, it's a it's a more informal way of saying i look forward to staying in touch
1: well so do i yeah i <laughs> love to be in the center of attention this time
0: <laughs> <laughs> great okay glad to hear it okay
1: <laughs> bye, bye.